For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of KDHL's AM Minnesota program. We have to be on our very best behavior today. We have the superintendent of the Faribault Public Schools, Jamie Benty, in studio. Like I told Jerry, hopefully he doesn't cast me off into the hall here. Gordy, you're always on your best behavior when I'm here. You guys so. still do that? You still send kids into the hall when, no. when they're being bad? Or Nope. Our students are supervised at all times. So, I got sent to the principal's office more than once. That doesn't surprise me. In elementary school, more so than high school. I was kind of a rambunctious little guy. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher would go down to the... And then the superintendent in those days... And this is a true story. He would open his drawer of his desk after he had you're sitting in front of him, and he'd bring out this ruler. Of course, the rumor was he was going to whack you with it. I don't know if he ever did, but he certainly got your attention. That would definitely get my attention. I'm guessing. That's not even allowed now. No. Nope, that's you not allowed. You can't even show the ruler. Well, yeah, you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. So Times have changed in a positive way there. I believe so. Yeah. Yes. I believe. Yep, so. I got rough. I mean, one time, and I, I thought I deserved it at the time. Don't get me wrong. But I got thrown up against the locker when I was a fourth grader for getting in a fight with another guy. He didn't see the other guy stab me. He saw me stab him back. Mm-hmm. That's how it works, right? That's, that's how I played a lot of years of football, and it's always the second <laughs> guy that pushes that gets the penalty flag. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's usually the way it works. But he, Cosfeld out in the hall. <laughs> so I went out in the hall. He comes out in the hall. He picks me up and slams me against the... I thought that was going a little too far. Yeah, yeah. That would do that. And in today's world, that is definitely going too far. So <laughs> It's not going to happen today. So how's the job? You're relatively new on it, right? Yep, starting year two. Um, still really enjoying it. Uh, still loving it here in Faribault. This is my 11th year in Faribault now. So second year as superintendent. Uh, I spent six years as high school principal before that here in Faribault and three years as assistant principal here in Faribault. Uh, before that. So uh, still loving the community, loving the district, uh, loving all the businesses and people that we have in town. Uh, the diversity that we have, I think, is great. It offers uh, just a wonderful worldview for our students. And uh, I'm not planning on going anywhere unless this board has different views. So Finances. How are the finances? That's a big question these days. Yeah, finances are, you know, finances are what they are right now. Um, you know, we had the historic funding uh, from the legislature, which which helped. I'm not going to downplay the money that we received. It, it definitely did help. But we are still looking at, you know, probably about a one and a half to two million dollar uh, budget deficit for next school year. So we're, we're going to be looking at some reductions here come uh, spring for the following school year. How does that happen when you get a, uh, you get the biggest increase in the history of the state? Well, yeah, yes and no. Um, so, I mean, we, we received 4% this year on the formula. But you have to remember that, you know, for the last 20 years, when inflation goes up by 3% and, you know, school increases go up by 1% or 2%, you're losing 1% or 2% per year for 20 years in a row. 
So, you know, getting 4% this year when inflation was 7 or 8%, it still puts us behind and we're still trying to catch up. We've been running about a $1.5, million, $1.6 million deficit for probably about the last five-ish years eating into our, uh, our, our general fund. So we're, we've just hit the point now where our fund balance is creeping up on that 9.5%, which is our board policy. So we got to make sure that we stay above that. Um, so we're just going to have to be looking at some reductions. So, And a lot of the money that came from the state had strings tied to it. It was, here's, mo- here's money for you, but you have to spend it using it on this. So it, didn't, it wasn't necessarily free money. You probably heard the federal director of education was in Rochester last week, right? Yep. Yeah, I talked with their superintendent, Kent Pakel, around that, and he was excited to have them down there. And they've got, what was it, two million? (laughs) (coughs) Sorry about that. I don't know where that came (laughs) from. Was it two million, 20 million? I can't remember what it was. It was quite a bit of money for mental health issues for students. They were awarded that by the feds. Yeah. Yeah, there's... You know, it's it's one of those pieces that we, we have been looking, the Faribault Public Schools has been looking for these grant opportunities. Um, and most of, your, most of your larger grant opportunities come from either the state or they come from the federal government. Uh, a lot of times if they come from the federal government, they then flow through the state. So they'll flow through uh, MDE, the Minnesota Department of Education, to... Uh, districts that apply for them and are granted them. But they're usually shorter term. You know, you're talking one, three, maybe five years at the absolute most. They're usually right around that three-year piece. And uh, I think a lot of people get confused about grants. Grants are not free money. Grants are money nowadays to implement programs to get you up and running. And then when the money goes away, you're supposed to figure out how to sustain that programming. So it's not just free short-term money. When COVID hit, obviously there was distance learning. Yes. And it seems after the COVID ended, there's still a lot of distance learning. I wouldn't say there's a lot of distance learning. I would say that there's, there's you know, about, I, in our district, I would say about, five to 10% of our students at our secondary level, mainly high school, that the, the online learning piece fits much better with their lifestyle, um, either because of you know issues that they have with anxiety around going to school and being around a large group of people, or whether it be that they have a job and they need to work uh, or want to work. Um, so, you know, perfect example was my oldest son. He did online learning for his junior and senior year, and he had it figured out that he would get up, he would eat his breakfast, he would do his online learning for about three or four hours, he would eat his lunch, and then he would go work an eight-hour shift and then be home, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night, get up the next morning and do it all over again. So he had a full-time job while he was still doing online learning in high school. So he was making money, you're saying? He was making money and, and yeah, he was able to buy himself a vehicle and then learn all the fun pieces around insurance and oil changes and how much gas cost and started to understand a little bit about why dad was so grumpy when the bills came in. Yeah, oh, that's, that's good. Uh, we, we didn't get cars in my house either. You got, you got old enough, you got a job, you had to buy your own insurance, your own gas, and your own vehicle. So it's a good life lesson lesson to learn, I think. 
It's a very good life lesson. It's, it's always good for him to have a little bit of skin in the game. I've told I have three boys and I tell them that, you know, we're, we're here to help you, but you got to have a little skin in the game, too, so that you understand the financial impact of of what you want versus what you need. Because everything's done for you. All of a sudden, dad or mom not around. Exactly. You're in a world of hurt. Exactly. Because so, you never had to navigate all of that. Yep, exactly. We're going to get the opening market report. There's a special event coming up tomorrow we want to talk about with the superintendent. Otana is having their open house at their new beautiful school. And the superintendent told me he toured it here, I think, last week, you said? Last Friday. So we're going to get his take on the new school there. And I don't know, we'll, we'll think of something else to talk about when AM Minnesota continues. Let's get that opening market report. A service of your KDHL Agri Boosters, including 321 Fence. Yep, go to 321FenceInc.com. Start the countdown to your next fence project. Northland Buildings, quality post-frame construction. Head to NorthlandBuildings.com. Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Near Strand. Craig helps protect all things that are near and dear to your heart. Soybeans and hogs are mixed in the early going on Thursday. Corn's lower, cattle are higher. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. With Stein, growers have access to decades of knowledge from the experts who ensure you get the yield benefits their products can bring. Stein, dedicated to yield, committed to you. Soybeans are mixed, mostly weak. Export sales were within pre-report expectations, and while recent demand has been good, new crop sales are behind the old crop pace. The trade is monitoring crop conditions out of widespread harvest activity. November beans are up three quarters at 1350 and a half. January is down a half at 1365 and three quarters. October bean meals up three dollars at 398.90. October bean oils 32 points lower at 62.51. Corn's lower. Early harvest activities ongoing with limited delays in most of the region expected over the next week. Weekly export sales are at the low end of estimates with a lot of competition from Brazil. December's two and a half lower at 479 and three quarters, and March corn's down two and a half at 493 and three quarters. And wheat's lower. The big bearish factor continues to be slow export demand, with Russia holding a big chunk of the global market. December Chicago's down seven and a quarter at 590. Oversold, December cotton's up 45 at 87.34. March is 41 higher at 87.78. With follow-through support, November rice is up 30 and a half at 16.24. January's 29 higher at 16.51 and a half. Cattle are higher, waiting for widespread direct business. We have seen some light trade this week, but not enough to really establish a trend. October lives up $1.40 at $184.55. December's $122 higher at $189.10. October feeders are up $1.60 at $260.65. And hogs are mixed, mostly lower. It's uncertainties about demand. October leans down 70 at $83.27. And December hogs are 52 lower at $75.82. Crude oil's up just under $90 a barrel. John Perkins, Brownfield. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. All right. We're going to continue our visit with Jamie Bente. He's the superintendent. I haven't been thrown out in the hallway yet. Our show, our, our opening market report, again, a service of T&W Towing, your heavy-duty towing and recovery experts, Community Co-op Oil Association, Faribault, where everyone is welcome to be part of the company. They've been around even longer than me since 19. 19- 25. Jamie Bente has been the superintendent now. He's in his second year and says he enjoys it. But I know we were chatting before going on the air and you do miss working with kids a little closer, right? 
Yeah, the, the, I don't have the daily interaction with kids anymore, you know, um, so that's something that I miss. I can't just step out into the hallway um, and talk with kids and be with kids and stuff like that. So that, that's one of the things that I do, I do miss. The nice thing is I do have access to be able to go and be with all grade levels of kids. So, if, you know, if I need my little kid fix, I'm going to run down to the early childhood center at McKinley and, and play on the playground with the little ones. And then if I need a big kid fix, I can run up to the high school and hang out in the lunchroom with them and, and stuff like that. So it gives me a little bit more range to be able to, to you know, uh, hang out with, with students. So. And you do that on a periodic basis? Yep. I do the best I can to get into his buildings as much as possible. Actually, when I leave here, I'm going to run through a couple elementary schools and then through the middle school. Uh, the, here still yet this morning. So, yeah. Just want to make sure things are running right. You know what? Things are running right. I, we have great principals, great building leaders. I don't have to necessarily worry about that. Um, I'm just there to, to, to show my face and, and be able to say that I was here and things look good. And, you know, uh, basically, like I said, show my face. So speaking of playing on playgrounds, you got an event tomorrow that everybody's invited to, right? Yes. 9.30 tomorrow morning, Jefferson Elementary East Playground. Give us some details, if you would. Yeah, so this is a, was actually a, a grant opportunity that we qualified for, and it was in uh, three phases. So the first phase was done last summer where they d- did some rerouting of sidewalks and uh, worked on the, the parking lot in the road there on the east side of Jefferson Elementary School. Phase two came this summer where they added a playground uh, to the east side of Jefferson and updated some of the equipment out there, uh, really also focusing on making sure that our equipment was ADA compliant as well. So so we're going to have the ribbon cutting ceremony for that tomorrow morning. And you said there's a third phase? Third phase will be, it has, the third phase is not funded yet. Um, so we'll be working on that. Uh, we always want to make sure we have the funding in place before we move forward. But third phase would be to expand some of that uh, area as well. So... I'm sure there's some thought into, you know, all the elementaries have playgrounds. Yes. And you want them to kind of be similar, right? Yeah. Yeah. The idea is similar. Uh, the idea, you know, the, the big push we're making, you know, a lot of our buildings were built in the 1950s. So, you know, it, 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 I, I find it interesting that here we are in 2023 and we're still discussing how to bring a lot of our buildings and a lot of our equipment and a lot of our facilities up to be ADA compliant for our for our students and for our community. Um, so that is, um, and that me, was passed in the eighties, right? The ADA. Yeah, I think seventies and eighties. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's, it's expensive work and it's time consuming work. And it's, it's one of those pieces that we are definitely focused on. Um, and, and we, when we jump on that, when we have the funds to be able to do that. So, so ribbon cutting tomorrow, you got treats or anything? You know what? I don't know if they'll have treats there or not. I hope so. Does that determine whether you come or not? I can't be there. I'll be here doing this show. (laughs) Well, maybe if they do, I'll drop one off for you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, lemonade or bars or something. I suppose I could bring treats if I... You can absolutely bring treats. I want those. And it looks like, because I'm looking at your flyer here, you must have received from grant dollars from the Environment and Natural Resources Trust Fund. Yes, that was part of the the grant from the trust. Trust for public land, it says here. Ribbon cutting. Will you be doing the honors? Uh, you know what? I'll probably pass that off to our principal at Jefferson Elementary and let be him kind of cool to have an elementary kid do the honors. That, and he might pass it off right? to them. Exactly. The scissors yeah. thing. That would yeah. be cool. So 
Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 make sure that we let someone else do that besides me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that ribbon cutting is tomorrow, folks. Tomorrow morning at nine thirty. In the news, a lot lately has been the school resource officers. I know you don't call that in this district. I think they're youth liaison or something like that. Yeah, we refer to them as SROs, school resource officers. It's the youth liaison program uh, that has been in existence for well over 20 years. Right. Uh, the, the combination between Faribault Public Schools and the Faribault Police Department. And I know the, the chief was sitting in the chair just to your right a week or so ago and said he did not have any issues of keeping officers in schools, but you hear of a lot of schools that have pulled their officers. You know, in the Big Nine, Mankato East had a fight where a kid got injured. They had no officers. They were pulled in, in Mankato at Mankato East. What's your take on all this? Yeah, so this is something that first, you know, first and foremost, I lead with that here in Faribault, the, the, the school system and the police department have a really strong and great relationship with each other. Uh, we have for at least 11 years that I've been here. We've always had, I've always been on a first name basis and been able to pick up the phone and call the chief whenever I needed to, to discuss pieces. Um, so that, that, that I think, first of all, speaks volumes, that that relationship is there. Um, you know, th this liaison program that we have, to me, is, is very much needed because it shows our students that our, our officers are here to help them. Uh, so they see, they're able to see officers in our school buildings every day to not only assure their safety, but also have conversations with them, get a high five from them. The officers will come into the classroom and talk about you know, public safety, talk about what their job is like. So it's also for some of our students, career exploration as well. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's a vital program uh, that is for our, for our kids and for our schools. Well, it seems to me that uh, more officers were brought into schools after the Colorado shootings, right? You're, you're talking about more? Columbine? Yeah, from, Columbine, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that did, it, it did raise awareness that, that, you know, you have to have something on site to be able to protect your students, your staff, in case someone decides to come in and do something terrible. Yeah, um, and sadly, sadly, Jamie, there have been shootings, seems like every day across the country, not necessarily schools, but shootings. Yeah, unfortunately, that is the society that we live in. Yes, it's, it is sad. It's very sad. And, and you know, and, and there have been some school shootings. So, as you said, you need officers there to at least attempt to protect people. Yep. And our, you know, it's the, the, the great thing is, is our officers are, are very much trained in not only how to deal with students and how to deal with community members, but also how to deal with situations that go very sideways too. So it, it is always nice to be able to know that you have someone in your building that is able to quickly take care of a possible threat uh, so that untrained individuals don't have to step in. I mean, you had to move your boys' soccer games to Bruce Smith Field because last year you were having uh, some fights out of the soccer fields is what I was told, and that's why they were moved to Bruce Smith Field. There's fencing and a little more distance from the stands. It's a shame something like that has to happen. That's a beautiful soccer complex. Yeah, unfortunately, it is a shame, but we're, you know, we're seeing pieces like that happen, you know, all over the state, all over the nation. You know, unfortunately, there was a rash of shootings that happened 
at many different high school settings, you know, uh, across just Minnesota uh, on Friday nights at football games. You know, we didn't have any here, you know, or anything like that. And and actually, you know, for the most part, our sporting events are really well-behaved and well-maintained and everything. Um, but we're always trying to be proactive and always trying to say, okay, how can we make this better? Uh, what can we do to, you know, better facilitate the experience for everyone that's there? And this is a reflection of our current society, right? There's a lot more violence. I, I would say either there's a lot more violence or we're hearing about more of it than what we used to. Um, but yeah, un unfortunately, it is. It, we are seeing more just across the state and across the nation as well. So. so I'm sure that's a topic of discussion at your superintendent meetings and stuff. How do we get to a kinder, gentler nation? Yeah. And this generation that's coming up is hopefully going to be taught the kinder, gentler way. Yeah, um, and that's one of the pieces that we push, you know, is that we have, you know, our, our social-emotional learning for our students. Uh, a lot of our students enter school and, and maybe don't have the tools that they need to handle conflict or handle their anger or handle, you know, whatever else is going on in their life. So it's, it's, it's really come to the schools to say, not only am I here to teach you reading and writing and math and science and English, but I'm also here to teach you how to deal with issues that pop up because ultimately our job is to prepare our students for life after high school. Um, and life after high school is being able to manage your emotions, being able to have healthy conflict with others, you know, being able to, uh, you know, work in the workplace and, and not get in a fist fight at work, you know, being able to disagree with someone and, and, and be okay with that. So that has fallen to the schools to also do that. So we have, you know, a pretty strong social and emotional learning curriculum that our uh, elementary students and middle school students go through. Now, I don't know what your stand is on test scores, but obviously the state uses that, right, as a means to indicate how students are doing. Are you a fan of test scores or not? So I, I have a love-hate relationship with test scores. So, you know, it, it depends on what kind of test scores you're talking about. So if you're talking about the MCA test scores that are published every August, you know, that is really... Uh, one snapshot from the school year. So it'd be like me saying, Gordy, one of these days in the next 365 days, I'm going to show up and take a picture of you. And then that's what I'm going to post on social media and on, you know, your website for, for everyone to see. Um, you know, but we, you're not going to tell me when that day is. Well, maybe I will and maybe I won't, you know. So, um, <clears throat> so you know, but but I also fall on the love side of it where it's, we have to have something to gauge where we are. You know, we also run three times a year fast bridge testing in our district that allows us to gauge reading and math scores and where our students are. Here, we're doing them here in September, then we'll do them again in the winter, and we'll do them again in the spring. And that gauges whether our students are growing. It allows us to see. The, the interesting piece is that I think people are confused by the MCA scores. The MCA scores were never meant to gauge students it was meant to gauge the state standards and is your curriculum meeting the state standards. So, so it's, it's kind of interesting how we've kind of twisted that to say, well, our students aren't doing well. Uh, if you want to know how a student's doing, don't look at their MCA test score. Go talk to their teacher. Ask their teacher how, how that student's doing because that's the person that knows that student the best. And they're able to tell you individually 
how that student's doing, where their strengths are, where their areas for growth are. Well, if the test says that they're reading at 40% of grade level, that's pretty straightforward, is it not? It, it, it means that they're reading at 40% of grade level on that specific day. Um, and it might be the passage that they're reading. It might be how they felt that morning. Did they have breakfast? Did something traumatic happen that morning or the day before? Um, or, and some of them, you know, they show up and they're ready for the test as well. So, like I said, it's a snapshot. It is one picture of a much larger view of where that student is. Yeah. Well, these people are coming from different homes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes so. we lose sight of that, right? I think, I think we need to focus more on, and, and I think that's something that we've done really well in Faribault, is focusing, focusing on the needs of the individual student and focusing on individual student growth. So, and that's something that we pride ourselves on. Free lunch, free breakfast now for all, all public school students. Yeah. Um, you, it's really difficult to learn on an empty stomach. Um, and it's really difficult to uh, be energized for math class when your belly's grumbling. So this is something that, you know, is, is to me, essential. You know, we, we talked about meeting the social and emotional needs of our students, but we need to meet the nutritional needs of our students too. Uh, and you figure our students are spending roughly eight-ish hours a day with us minimum. Um, so I, I think it's only fair that we supply them with food. Well, I did see a statistic where Rochester said that 15% more students are participating in lunch now that it's free than did a year ago. Have you seen those kinds of numbers? You know, I haven't actually looked at what our numbers are yet. We're in about the third week here, so a lot of our numbers are just settling in. Uh, you get very skewed numbers, you know, not only with attendance, but also with, you know, food pieces, uh, food service in your first couple weeks because students are settling into you know, what the school year is like. So I haven't look, I haven't been able to look at our numbers just You're yet. You're probably glad, though, you don't have to collect all that money, right? That takes well, a nightmare away, doesn't it? It, it, it does, and it wasn't necessarily collecting money. The a la carte lines are still open for students. So, I mean, there's, they can still come in and, and purchase a la carte items. Um, it's just the standard breakfast and the standard lunch is free for all students now. Oh, okay. So if I want a protein bar or something, I still have to pay for it. Yep. If you want something that's not on the menu, you know, you want, or if you want a second lunch, a lot of students will eat two lunches. Uh, if you want a second lunch, then that's a paid item as well. So, so the, so what is free is just the standard government issued lunch for the student um, or breakfast for the student, but there are still a la carte items that are, that are a cost. All right. Jamie Benty is the superintendent of the Faribault Public Schools. He's with us on AM Minnesota today. Is there anything that you'd like to get out to the public in terms of a message. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we are, we've had a great start to our school year. Um, the, the administration and uh, cabinet members were very busy this summer with the district-wide goals that were set in place back in May. Those started this fall. Um, so we have, we have a real strong focus on improving our test scores, but not necessarily improving our test scores, improving our student learning. Uh, and that and that's our main focus is improving student learning, and then that will show up in the way of test scores. So we've got a we've got a really strong focus this year. We've had a great start to the school year. There's a lot of energy in the buildings this year. Uh, I, I went around to a, 
every single building in the first week of school, couple, hit a couple of them twice. Uh, and the, every, everyone said this year just feels different. There's more energy, there's more excitement. Um, and and we're, we're really hoping to have just a, an amazing year at Farewell Public Schools. Well, part of that may be a feeling that COVID was over, right? I think that says some of that is that we are returning to that sense of normalcy. <laughs> You know, even though they're talking about a new strain and all that, but it's not going to be as severe as what I've been reading anyway. Yeah. Owatonna opening up their new high school. They're having an open house next Saturday, September 23rd. But you saw the facility last week and you were impressed. Yep. I was I was blessed to be able to go down with other big nine superintendents uh, and the superintendent there at Owatonna, Jeff Elstead. Uh, a Faribault, a Faribault, Faribault grad, yep, <laughs> Faribault native, Faribault grad, uh, took us on a tour of the building. Um, just an amazing facility, amazing facility. Lots of really new ideas on, you know, what learning looks like and where learning can take place. Um, so, it, you know, a lot of open concept ideas, open classroom, uh, modular walls so that you can combine classrooms. Uh, just really interesting ideas, so... And you've been working, I know, with the chamber in improving some pathways to success here in, in the Faribault Public School District. How's that program going? Yeah, so we've had a, a wonderful relationship with our Chamber of Commerce uh, around our uh, what we call our C2C program, um, College to Career. And then, um, uh, so th those areas the chamber has been very heavily involved with. Uh, you know, in the areas mainly around what our goal areas are that the district has adopted is ready for kindergarten, read well by third grade, middle school math, and high school graduation. So those are the areas that the, that the chamber has been pushing, this district is now pushing, um, and we're getting the community support behind us for on those as well. And then there was a, wasn't there a career of uh, nurses and then mechanics yep. or something? Yep. So we've got a MEC program with South Central College, uh, uh, engineering, manufacturing, and construction. Um, we've we've got a, a, a health services program with South Central College as well. Uh, so we've really got quite a few different pathways uh, that students can take advantage of at our high school as well. Yeah, what great opportunities. Hope they're seizing those. Yeah, no, they are. They're jumping into those, understanding the, the flow of the pathways with our introductory programs. And then you have your mid-level programs. And then the idea is that by, by your senior year, we're hoping that you get out there and have an internship somewhere in the community. And hopefully that turns into a job or it turns into uh, an extended internship or an apprenticeship or something like that. So, Well, hopefully we can get you on a, on a periodic basis here. Absolutely. On the show and maybe some other folks in the district as well. Sure. That's Jamie Benty. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.